0: Let's begin by all joining together and praying. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, for you are our rock, you are our redeemer. Amen. So if you were here, it was two weeks ago that we just started to see what the church in the city of Corinth truly, openly, really was like they were a messy imperfect group that absolutely needed to be called out for the sin that was there if you remember they had been publicly supporting open sexual sin they misunderstood morality that was going on and they were actually proud of this sin if you've been reading through the whole letter of first corinthians you can go back to chapter five two weeks ago And you can see that it starts this tougher tone, really more than the rest of the book, and it starts to reveal and show these people just for who they really were. Well, you can get ready for today too because that doesn't stop in chapter 6. No, you heard already what the Apostle Paul moved on to next, and it wasn't going to make those people any more comfortable to hear. We're gonna see again today how this was a messy, imperfect group of people who absolutely needed to be called out, but today it's a different thing that they're gonna focus on. It's a different thing that Paul helps them understand. Today the problem isn't sexual sins. Today the problem really kinda centers around selfishness and greed but I think we need some context for the conversation to understand how this was showing itself for these people. We, d- we have to talk about them and their court system, that society, kind of like us, it had a ton of influence in not only just the financial aspect of their lives, but the practical aspect of their lives. Nobody for them would have been strangers to judges and courtrooms And lawsuits and lawyers. This was the way that business would get done a lot of the times. This was the way that arguments and disputes even small disputes would get settled among people. I think in a lot of ways their court system sounds a lot like what our court system here in America functions like too. But maybe here's hopefully one big difference between their court system and ours. Their courts did not defend the weak or the poor justly. Do you want to know what the most common use of their court system was? It was for the rich to sue the weak and the poor, for the rich then to get richer and for the poor to get poorer, for the people who had nothing to lose what they still had. If you had money, You had influence and power, and the legal system was going to be behind you. If you didn't have money, you would just be praying that nobody would take you to court. So it's with this weird abuse of power system that's going on in the background. Now listen again to what the Christians, the Christians in the church at Corinth were doing. If any of you has a dispute with another, do you dare take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? Or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? So here's problem one. People in this church were going first to the corrupt courts instead of trusting each other. When issues, even small issues, would pop up, they didn't lean on each other. And the unity that they had in Jesus, and Paul calls them out for it, why, why wouldn't they go to each other and try to work through these things? Anybody who was part of that group of Christians with money or not, anybody would have been a better choice than to take the issues to those secular courts. But that's not what they did. Instead, they went to them, and that's not all. Therefore, if you have disputes about such matters, do you ask for a ruling from those whose way of life is scorned in the church? I say this to shame you. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers, but instead one brother takes another to court and this in front of unbelievers? It's not just bad for the people in this church and themselves. No, this this is bad for everybody. Because doing this in that court was proving to everybody else who saw them that they didn't trust each other the world was getting to see how little unity existed in this group of christians where there should have been absolute unity and it was done publicly open sin again for everybody else to see clearly so how Paul ends this first section of what we're going through today, it feels even stronger than what he said. You can just hear it. He says the very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you've been completely defeated already. Why not, Christians? Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, You yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers and sisters. I think when that group of Christians read this part of the letter together, I think you can picture each of them looking around at each other and everybody's heads just kind of hanging there in shame. Yeah, this is what we're doing. In other words, I think you can say that this group of Christians were living together as hypocrites. They were absolutely ready to take each other to court to get more from each other. Sacrificing for each other like God had sacrificed for them hadn't even been a thought when it came to money and issues. I mean, ouch. This is like ouch for a church to go through. Can you imagine not only having these issues among the group, but then that God inspired Paul to write these issues down in this letter, and then all of these issues are going to be part of the Bible that gets passed on for Christians to read now for thousands of years after it? This is like a permanent review of the bad things going on in a messy group of people, and people get to keep hearing about it, this review is not a review that a group of Christians wants to have. I think it's kind of interesting for us. Reviews have become a big part of our lives, haven't they? Reviews influence what we eat, what we buy, the things that we do in our lives. Think through the last time you had to do some research before you bought something. What would you do? Well, you looked it up online, you scroll down a little bit, and you read the reviews for what other people say about these things. You look and you see how many five-star reviews are there, you look and you see how many three-stars, you read the words, you try to understand what people are doing, and it's crazy. If you don't see on your phone or on the computer more positive reviews than negative reviews without ever knowing and seeing this product or whatever you're trying to buy in your hands, you start to think through, maybe I shouldn't get this thing. If other people didn't like this and this was bad for them, this is gonna be bad for me too. I think, and maybe this is a bad, uh, a bad habit of mine, I think you learn a whole lot more, not from the five-star reviews. I wanna get to the one-star reviews. That's the filter that I click on. That's what I go to right away because I think you learn the most from those. It's the one star reviews that tell the story about whatever it is. It's in the one stars that yes, you're gonna have to filter out the people who have grudges and people who are just bitter about things. But in the one stars, you're gonna see the issues. You're gonna get to see how a company deals with the issues when people have issues. I think it's really in the one stars where you find truth, just openness. I think this part of 1 Corinthians reads a whole lot like a one-star review for these people. And what you learn from this open and honest review is that these people, this group, absolutely didn't deserve God's love. These people were selfish. They were ready to take each other to court, and they didn't care how bad it looked to the world around them. It was greed and selfishness that had been driving them to make it look like there wasn't any unity in the place where there was supposed to be absolute unity between God's people. And I think we can be honest with ourselves and each other too. We feel it in our hearts when we hear the rhetorical questions that Paul said in verse 7 about why not rather be wronged, why not rather be cheated. I think we in this room and part of this church have some work to do too. I don't think it's openly trying to take advantage of each other financially, but I do think because we're messy people with messy lives, I do think that in our hearts we've got an issue with selfishness and greed. And maybe you see it, and I saw the smiles on your faces in the kids' devotion, maybe you see it By trying to have fairness be the principle of how you deal with one another, of how we interact with each other. That if somebody does something unkind and mean and bad to us, then we get to give it right back to them. On the opposite side, if somebody does something good to us, oh, then they got that favor. Then they get to cash in that favor and then we have to sacrifice back to them because they were good to us. But anything less than lives of full sacrifice for each other, that kind of unity that God calls us to live, is failing to be who God makes us to be. And it gets even more intense. It absolutely matters. These might not feel like big issues, but God's standards don't change. Paul moves from specific issues to this group to absolute moral issues that they would have seen in people around them, that they would have understood were bad? Or do you not know that the wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers, None of them will inherit the kingdom of God. This is what the final result of sin looks like. This is why Paul has to call them out. And then you get this flip and this turn of maybe the best verses in the entire letter. That's what reality is like for people apart from Jesus. But that's not what it's like for people who are connected to Jesus. After doing what he had to do and calling out all of the warning and all of the harsh realities and giving them that one-star review, God gives this group of Christians the most comforting and best words that Christians get to hear. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Did you hear the tense that he uses there? He says that's what you were in the past. Issues that have been taken care of now. You were baptized and that changed you. God has set you apart because He did it, and not because of anything you had to do. The Holy Spirit did all of the work and still works in you. You people who have struggles and issues, you are right now forgiven. And that, Christians who sit in Jacksonville, that's you right now, too. You've been forgiven. That side of you that struggles and is messed up, that side of you is the past you in your baptism. God made you new and perfect and a permanent part of his forgiven family. God set you apart and made you his. Like the judge in a courtroom comes down and says, not guilty, he's told you, not guilty. God has changed you because of what Jesus has done for you everything that you couldn't do perfectly for yourself, this is who you are now. You're actually forgiven. And it's not fair at all. Anybody else hear about this, Beck? I think it was in 2018. hear about the Domino's promotion that happened over in Russia. Anybody know this? Cool. I get to share a new thing with you today then. Do you know what Domino's did? This was a great advertising thing they actually offered free pizza to anybody for life if you got yourself a Domino's tattoo somewhere. So you can see, uh, these are just a few of the pictures. I think this was a great strategy, right? This was going to be a very public thing for people who were probably going to be a little bit out there and crazy, that they would love Domino's, they get the tattoo, it would be great advertising to show that people really, really love Domino's. What they didn't expect was that a lot of people love dominoes in Russia, apparently, and that it wasn't just like 10 or 12, hundreds of people, hundreds of people, as soon as it got announced, started going and getting Domino's tattoos. So there's pizza, it's black and white on arms, there's Ninja Turtle eating dominoes, just awesome tattoos. And it got so bad for Domino's in Russia that they actually had to say, all right, stop. We're going to stop at like 300 people. Nobody else can do this because too many people are getting tattoos. Too many people love dominoes. Too many people are part of this awesome thing. It worked so well that whenever people see this now, and now in your minds too, if you see anybody with this tattoo, you're going to be reminded of how much people love dominoes, enough to get a tattoo, a permanent thing that's never going to go away. What does this do for everybody who sees it? People recognize, wow, they really like this. Wow, this is a public thing. This is going to be a constant ad for the rest of their lives. This is a pretty genius way to advertise. Thank God I can tell you this morning, you don't have to get a tattoo to do it as a Christian, but just by being you. Just... By being you and who God has made you to be you do this you reflect the gracious and undeserved forgiveness God has given you all the time because you're somebody that can't deserve it you're somebody that God chooses to freely and fully love and forgive and I can see it it is all over you it's in your heart it's in your words It's what you do. You're his. And just by being you, you help other people see this too. That, brothers and sisters, is what everybody else gets to see when you're united by sacrifice for each other. Instead of letting fairness drive us, we let sacrifice for each other be the thing. We give freely and fully like God has given to us. We value each other, and we let God's value be the thing that helps us understand who each other is. That there's nothing more important to God than the other people who are here. We do this by putting each other first. And I can promise you when you do that, other people see Jesus through you. And that, like those tattoos, that's going to leave an impression more than people seeing this messy and imperfect group of Christians that we are, more than just being people who are ready to admit our failures and our need for help, most of all, other people are going to see that we are people who have been washed over by God's grace. They're going to see people who reflect his sacrifice. Amen.